Hello, friends. Wherever you're joining us from today, we are just so thankful you could be part of this online liturgy. And before we turn to our focus today, I, I just take, want to take a moment to share a word of thanks with you. Uh, most of you know, I think, of the food drive that we just had for the Calgary Food Bank, which has been very low in supplies, even heading into the holidays. And I want you to know that you gave over two tons of food to help those who are in greatest need within our city. And I just want to thank you for your generosity. That just so honors God and encourage you to continue looking for opportunities to love and serve those around you as you just have uh, with the gifts that you've been given. So thank you for that. Now Christmas Day is approaching and you likely have already been or will be doing some shopping in these days. And not to bring up a touchy subject, but do you have any idea yet of what the total price tag of Christmas has been so far for you or what it'll eventually be? I mean, is the price of Christmas more than you originally expected it to be? Here's a point for us to start with. It always has been. It always has been. Christmas always has a higher price, a greater cost than originally expected. I mean, we're continuing today in our Advent teaching series that we called Preparing for Jesus, in which we're looking at some of the shocking people who are listed in the Matthew 1 genealogy of Jesus. And today I want us to consider another scandalous woman listed in Matthew 1. So turn to Matthew chapter 1 if you have your Bible or Bible app with you. I encourage you to join in in this. As we come now and remember, this is the word of God. And beginning in verse 1, we read this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then down to verse 15. Mathen was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary of whom Jesus was born, who's called Christ. So as we near Christmas, let's consider Mary. And I'd like to look at Mary as we reflect on that question of the price of Christmas. So Mary, what was the price tag of Christmas for you? I mean, we know this story. The archangel Gabriel had come to Mary and said, You'll conceive a child that'll be born through the Holy Spirit. And Mary replied this way. This is in the gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter one, we read this verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, Mary says. Let it be to me according to your word. So Mary, when you said yes to God's invitation to having Christ conceived in, grow in and come from you, was the price greater than you thought it would be? Did you have any idea? Did you have any sense of the kind of kingdom battle that you were entering into with his child? Now remember, Mary was just a young teenager at the time, likely somewhere around 13 or 14 years old only, only that. And it would have been scandalous that this young girl became pregnant out of marriage. I mean, people didn't know that she was given this gift of this child through the Holy Spirit. And she was so young. 
So really, Mary couldn't have fully realized what her yes to God was going to entail. And actually, the same is true with us. When we first turned to God, said yes to him, to, to having the life of Christ come within us, grow in us, we had no way of fully comprehending what the cost, the price of that yes would be. I mean, can you think back to your first yes to God? And I realize that for some of you, you might not be at or you might not have come to the point where you have said yes to God. And if that's the case for you, we're just, we're so thankful you've joined in with us. We're glad you're seeking alongside of us. But if you have said yes to God, what would that first yes have been for you? I mean, for me, kind of the first time I most clearly remember was in my youth when I, I prayed to God and asked him for the forgiveness he offered and asked him to bring the new life in Christ that he offered to me, putting my faith in him. But there have been many other yeses to God along my pathway, along my life since then, as I really continue to learn to trust, continue to follow. Will, will I still be open to being used to serving him as I still continue to discover what my yes to Christ entails? So Mary, did you have any sense of what the price would be when you said yes to God? I mean, Mary knew that the prophets had said and what they'd said about the coming of Messiah, about this child who was within her. In fact, we read this in the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah put it beautifully, Isaiah 9 verse 6. His name, your child Mary, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Now that, that seems easy to say yes to. But Mary, did, did you have any idea that what that would lead to would be a cross? You know, scripture tells us that Mary had some idea of the kingdom battle of the cost of life with Jesus. I mean, she was told of that cost in a fairly vague way, though. Really, not because anyone was trying to deceive her, but because it was so difficult to grasp, to comprehend what she'd been told. And the thing is, I think God has something for each of us to hear in Mary's journey. And so I want to look at three events from Mary's life that I think help teach us about the cost of Christmas, the cost of this life with Jesus. And again, not just for Mary, but for you and me also. Three events to look at. Okay, now the first event. The first event. This is after Jesus' birth. And Mary and Joseph, they go to the temple in Jerusalem for the Jewish purification and dedication rites for their newborn son, Jesus. And, and there at the temple, there's this elderly God-worshipping man named Simeon, whom the Holy Spirit had already told that he would see the Messiah. He would see the Christ before he died. And this is what we read of this. This is in Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 28. And it says, Simeon took Jesus up in his arms. Can you imagine? And blessed God and said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. 
Okay, that, that really kind of sounds like what the prophet Isaiah had written, really what the angel Gabriel had declared to Mary. I mean, Mary couldn't help but think, our child, this Jesus, will bring such incredible things to our lives and truly to the world. In fact, it says in verse 33, and his father and mother marveled at what had been said about him. I mean, although they couldn't fully grasp or understand, they knew something big, wonderful from God had been brought in Jesus at Christmas. They grasped that to some degree. Now, this certainly wasn't the first time that Mary had been told or had begun to understand the magnificence of what her child Jesus would bring. Again, there was the archangel Gabriel, as we had read. And we remember also about the first Christmas night. Because on that Christmas night, the angels again had come to a field where shepherds were taking care of the sheep. And they proclaimed to the shepherds the birth of a new king. And they were singing, glory to God in the highest. So the shepherds hear this and they say together, let's go see the new king. So they head into Bethlehem. They find Joseph, Mary, and the baby. And they tell them what the angel had declared. And we read this in Luke 17. And all who heard it, wondered at what the shepherd told him. And now here again, now here again back at the temple with Simeon, these same kind of incredible prophecies and promises of hope, of goodness and joy were being made about Jesus by Simeon. But in contrast to the shepherds, Simeon didn't stop there because Simeon also said this. Look at verse 34. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So as Mary tried to take that in, she must again have wondered, pondered, perhaps even asked Simeon, what do you mean my soul will be pierced. I mean, I wonder, did Simeon's closing words to her, did they cause a chill to come over Mary? In, in that moment, did it feel like the price of Christmas just kind of jumped dramatically? Simeon, again, what do you mean my soul will be pierced? I mean, I thought the whole reason I said yes to this new life of Christ in me was to bring an end to that kind of darkness, to bring peace, a new kingdom. I thought saying yes to Jesus meant the hard stuff was over. I thought the darkness, the challenges in my life came because I wasn't following God. But I've said yes to God now. But now you're telling me that this life with God, with Jesus, will still bring a sword to my soul? I thought Jesus would make my life victorious, smooth, successful. You know what? I don't know if that's what Mary asked. She probably didn't. But I'm pretty sure that those are questions we ask at times. And here's the point again. Christmas always costs more than we expected. It always costs more. It always does. It always has. Okay, then a second event in Mary's life. I want us to look at this is 12 years later. 
Okay, Mary and Joseph, they have been in Jerusalem for the great Passover feast. At this point, Jesus, again, is about 12 years old. Passover concludes, and they start heading home to Nazareth from Jerusalem. And they think Jesus is with some other family or friends in the caravan. So they've been traveling for a day, and then they discover Jesus isn't here. Wait a second, I I thought you had him. So as any parent would, they push back, rush back to Jerusalem to find him. And this is what we read, Luke 2, 46. After three days, can you imagine, three days, they found him finally in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Now, Mary and Joseph aren't thinking, oh, wonderful, he's at church. No. They're upset with him, understandably. I mean, where were you? And look at what it says in verse 48. We read this. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And Mary said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. That's a great question, isn't it? Jesus, why have you treated us so? I mean, I think that's a question that every follower of Jesus may ask at one time or another in their life. Jesus, why have you treated me so? Look at verse 49. And Jesus said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? Why were we looking for you? What kind of question is that? I mean, we have given you a lot of freedom, Jesus, because, well, you're God, but also we're your parents. And Luke explains They didn't understand what Jesus was saying to them. But then we read this line in verse 51. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Okay, now for us, I think that term treasured up, I think it gives a connotation of Mary kind of joyfully reflecting on or holding on to a special, like she had a little moment that was just a bit of a treasure for her that she was holding on to. That wasn't what was happening here. Really, I think a better translation might be Mary held on to this for continued reflection. She reflected deeply on this. She pondered this. Because here, it was like a sword starts to pierce Mary's soul. How? Because Jesus' words at 12 years old make it clear that their relationship is changing now. I mean, to whatever degree, Jesus was self-aware of it at this point in his life. Jesus is already beginning to exert his divine identity, will, and agenda on them. The baby Jesus of Bethlehem wasn't so easily controlled now. You know that feeling? I mean, this Jesus isn't focused on my agenda, on my list. It's like I can't control this Jesus. I mean, he's not doing my plan. He's not doing my timetable as as if that was what God was there for. I I don't like it this way. I mean, Jesus seemed easier to manage earlier on when, when I was kind of the center of attention. Now, we might not verbalize it that bluntly, but in our hearts, we might feel part of the reason I said yes to Jesus was so that he would help me get my plan done. But now it feels like I'm having to join him in getting his plan done. 
I liked him a lot better when he was a little baby away in a manger. He was safer then. He was easier, more manageable there. I think some of us, when we first turn in faith at Christ, we might have a fuller understanding of what following Jesus entails. But I think that for many of us, particularly if you turned in faith to Jesus earlier on in life, I think there can be significant points of transition in our relationship with Jesus where we begin to realize to new depths the cost of following him, of turning my life over to him, of submitting to his agenda. And that the safety, the protection or comfort that Jesus offers isn't really the comfort that I really first pictured or that our world seeks. It doesn't mean a life of ease. I mean, this life with Jesus, while we're in this world, it has dangerous risk because Jesus says, I am calling you to my father's kingdom agenda. And I think this is shown even more vividly in the third, the final scene that I want us to look at. And it was another cost of Mary saying yes to God. And it was when she stood at the foot of the cross. I think really all of us can be moved when we try to imagine ourselves standing at the foot of the cross of Jesus, of our Savior. But we know this as well. At the cross, Mary saw Jesus not just as her Savior, but also as her little boy, her, her child, the newborn she held in Bethlehem. Now, we know Mary had heard that Jesus would rise again, but we don't know if she understood it. But whether or not she did, what she did know from her perspective was that her child was on the cross in part because she had said yes to God. But the angel Gabriel had said, he'll be great that I'm chosen, favored by God, blessed. But even so, at the cross, despite the price of Christmas, Mary was still saying yes. How do we know she was still saying yes? In part, because she was still there. Every other disciple except John had abandoned Jesus, despite all their promises of loyalty to him. But Mary, without ever making some kind of bold declaration of faithfulness, kind of like Peter, she was still standing with him. So can you imagine the light, the wonder, the explosion of just inexpressible joy after that resurrection morning three days later when Mary looked again into the eyes of her risen child, her resurrected king? Can you imagine Because this Jesus, he still brings light and hope out of the darkness. And friends, it can be the same for you and me. Again, Christmas is more than just a celebration of Jesus' birth. We know that. But do we realize that Christmas is God's invitation into Jesus' very way of life? in which we can have, similar to Jesus, fellowship with God, 
and, and be used as instruments of expressing his kingdom here and now on earth as it is in heaven as we wait for him to come again. So we therefore ask, Jesus, what do you want from me? And Jesus says, I want every part of you. Meaning what? Meaning for one, that as a waiting of Advent continues for us, perhaps even in this Advent, perhaps there's another yes to God, to Christ. Maybe there's another step of trusting him in faith that you're being called to make this Christmas, just as Mary did. Perhaps even as you're experiencing the cost of following him. So with that in mind, can we call out in prayer now to our God? Will you bow your heads with me? Again, right where you're at, will you just bow your heads? And friends, are we willing to pray? Are we willing to say amen to this? Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, come upon me, come upon us. Would you fill us with your presence? Would you lead us in your ways? Even as we face storms, trials, uncertainties. Even as the price of Christmas, the cost of following Jesus becomes more evident. So that your life might flow from us. Oh, we pray. So send us out in this week, we pray. As your Holy Spirit and empowered servants. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And again, all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Great to be joined with you, friends. And can I invite you back to our online Christmas Eve service? So hope you can join in that. And may I encourage you also to invite friends. You know, realize this. Just send them the link to our website where they can join in the online liturgy on Christmas Eve. Because some of your friends might not feel comfortable walking through the doors of a church. But they'd be comfortable joining you online for our Christmas Eve service. And I'm going to be sharing as simply and clearly as possible the hope, the joy that we can know in Jesus Christ. Hope you can join in that. And as you walk into this final week of Advent that we're journeying through, now may the Lord bless you and keep you and may cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may lift his countenance upon you this week and give you his peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.